Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark 11, verses 22 through 23. Did you know that God wants you to be an overcomer? God wants you to be overcoming in every area of your life. And He has made provisions for every aspect of your life to where you are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're doing our, an overcoming series, and uh, this is the uh, uh, subject matter of overcoming doubt. And I, I want to deal with this subject because doubt is so prevalent in many believers' lives today. And the devil is doing everything in the world to um, come in and to uh, just put a dis disillusionment in people concerning the Word of God to where they don't believe the exact thing that God says. They, they, they have trouble just believing and taking God at face value and taking His Word at face value and believing that He means what He says. And He'll do exactly what He says in the Word. Over in Mark 11, verse 22 and 23, Jesus is teaching the disciples here. He has come by a fig tree on the way up on a journey and cursed that tree because there was no fruit in it and cursed it. And when they came back, they saw that the fig tree that Jesus cursed was dried up from the roots. And Jesus took this as an opportunity to begin to uh, uh, to teach his disciples on an area of, of faith and believing God and not letting doubt rule in your heart and life. Now, look, look what he says. Have faith in God. Now, the original version of this particular verse, the original version says, have the God kind of faith. Have God's faith in you. He said, For sure, assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, I want to make some statements here. Number one, prayers are to be answered each time a person prays. God doesn't expect you to go through the motion of prayer and just do it as a religious exercise without expecting that prayer to be answered and manifested in your life. Now, there's always a reason why prayer is not answered. And one of the main reasons that your prayers are not answered is this robber of blessings called doubt. Doubt is the greatest robber of blessings that there are. Now, let's look at what doubt is. What is doubt? See, many believe that just having doubt is not having enough faith. But it's more than that. It, it, it goes deeper than that. It's not just having enough faith. Because, you see, your faith is maturing. Your faith is going to grow. Uh, the, the Bible says to every man has been given the measure of faith. So every believer that's hearing me minister right now, those of you that are sitting here with me today, those of you that are hearing it by the audio method of CDs and etc., every person has faith. God has been, God's given to every man the measure of faith. Every one of us have the measure of faith that's necessary to see us through and to get us through what God's doing in our life. Now, doubt is this. Webster defines it as fear. It's to be uncertain about something, to lack confidence in something or someone, to distrust or to, to consider unlikely. So, doubt is a pretty serious word when you begin to break it down into what it actually means because when when the Lord himself talks about doubt in a person and doubting God is it's a pretty serious accusation that is being made against the individual that's doubting the Lord now look it's to be uncertain about something it's to have fear 
uh, operating rather than faith. It's to lack confidence in something or someone or distrust or to consider unlikely. Now, the Greek word for doubt is diakrino. It means to separate thoroughly, to withdraw from, to oppose, or to hesitate. In other words, doubt means to judge between two things. It is a divided judgment, or you have a divided opinion about something. So, when the Lord is saying in this particular verse, in Mark 11, 22, 23, that we just read, have the God count of faith, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Now, that word doubt, see, when we, we gave the definition of it, does not doubt, does not uh, consider that it can't be done. You don't lack confidence in something or someone. You're not lacking confidence in the Word of God. You're not lacking confidence in God Himself. You don't have any distrust. You're not considering it unlikely. When you're, when you're speaking something in faith, doubt cannot be present. Doubt cannot be present. Doubt will hinder your faith from surfacing and operating in the God kind of faith that God wants you to operate in. So, to be divided between two opinions. In other words, we know what the Word declares, that we're more than conquerors, that we that we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. We know the Word says that, but yet we have a divided opinion many times that we cannot accept the blessings of the Lord because we don't feel worthy enough. We don't feel like we are an heir. We don't feel like that we are an heir of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ because the devil has put those thoughts in your mind and therefore you're divided in your thinking and you're divided in your thought process concerning your position in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, doubt is sin. Uh, and, and, I, and I know we've covered many areas of overcoming different things, and every one of them really turns out to be sin. Sin is something that stands between you and God. Sin is really just not living up to the standard of what God's called you to. And what doubt does, it causes you not to live up to that standard of faith that God's called you to walk in. Now look what the Hebrews 3, verse 16 through 19, the writer is saying, Who having heard, talking about the children of Israel, they rebelled. They rebelled. Now rebelling is a very serious word. It's it's a sin of witchcraft. And he said, Who having heard, rebelled. Indeed, was it not all that came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with them who sinned, whose carpet? Corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they cannot enter in because of unbelief. See, doubt, when you get right down to it, doubt is unbelief. Unbelief is a spiritual attitude. It's a spiritual thing that gets in our heart that causes you to distrust the Word of God, to distrust God Himself. And unbelief causes you to enter into a rebellious state, and you rebel because it causes you not to be obedient to what God's calling you to do. It goes contrary to faith. It just goes contrary to faith. Romans 14 verse 23 says, And he that doubts is damned if he eat because he eats not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. 
Now, I know this has been pretty strong in the beginning of this teaching, but we need to lay the foundation of what doubt really is. And what Jesus was showing the disciples here, if we're going to be more than conquerors, if we're going to be leaders in our generation that God's called us to, then we're going to have to operate in the faith realm. We're going to have to stand up and realize that the Spirit of Christ is in us, and as He's as He is, so are we in this world. He has placed us in a position to where we're victorious. He has won the victory for us. Now that He wants us to walk in that victory and to demonstrate to the unbelievers and demonstrate to those others around us that God is God, He's a faithful God, and He'll do what He says He'll do. Now, doubt hinders you from doing these things. Now, where is doubt located? We've understood what doubt is, but where is it located? How does it enter into our spirit or into our, in, in, into our uh, mind or our thought patterns to where we don't believe God? Number one, doubt originates in the mind. See, your mind is the battleground with the devil. Your mind is the territory that was formerly controlled by Satan. Before you were a believer, you were under the influence and under the dominion of Satan himself. Remember when Adam and Eve was in the garden, God placed them there, created them, and he literally created them to be the God of this world or the God of this earth. They were to have dominion and control over everything that he created. That was their position. But when Satan deceived them that day in the garden and they yielded to the temptation and they they began to believe the lie that the devil spoke. See, when you believe a lie, you've forsaken your own mercy. And when they believe that lie, then they legally or just willfully handed over that position and control of this world into the devil's hand. And therefore, that's why the word speaks of uh, in in the New Testament that the devil or Satan is the god of this world. Because see, what happened is he took over that position. You remember when Jesus come up out of the water and was baptized and the Holy Spirit lit upon him in the form of a dove and then he was led into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and the devil tempted him there in the wilderness. And what did the devil tempt him with? One of the main temptations that he did is he flashed the whole world before Jesus' mind and his eyes right there. Every kingdom in this earth was flashed before him. And the devil stated, this is what the devil stated to him, if you will bow down and worship me, all of these kingdoms will be yours. Now you see, the reason he was able to offer the kingdoms of this world is because he is he, he, he was, at that particular time, the God of this world, the God of this earth. But you see, Jesus came, and when he came, he legally redeemed us with his death, burial, and resurrection through the blood of Jesus. We're victorious, and we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of God. And now we've been delivered, delivered, according to Colossians 1.13. We've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated or transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. Now then, we're not no longer under the control and dominion of the devil. Thank God for that. Thank God for that truth. Thank God for that revelation that we're no longer under his dominion. Now look what the writer uh, says in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He said, in whom the God of this world, see there's that term, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, Satan has blinded the minds of those that believe not, 
because the light, the word is light. How many knows what happens when you flip a light on in a dark room? Darkness has to dissipate. It has to just disappear all of a sudden quickly because light conquers, light overpowers darkness. And when the light of the Word of God comes into your heart and you begin to understand and that, that spiritual understanding comes, that spiritual revelation comes, this is what happened when you were born again. You heard the gospel message. You heard someone preach and teach the Word of God concerning Jesus and His redemption and what He did for you. And when you heard that, your darkened spirit that was darkened and controlled by the enemy, all of a sudden the light of the gospel is beginning to shine into your dark heart. And that light of the gospel is lighting up the area where darkness was. And if you'll believe at that moment when you did believe, then that darkness had to disappear. It had to just flee because God's word, God's light is more powerful than what the devil has. And your spirit man was regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost and you were born again and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. So the mind is the territory that was formerly controlled by the devil. It was formerly controlled. I, I want to say that again. The devil no longer has authority over you as an individual. He no longer has authority over your mind, over your thinking process. He no longer has that legal authority over you. Now, he will try with his lies. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But the, if thoughts of doubt are allowed to stay in our mind, then it drops into our heart. You see, the only avenue the devil has to attack you is through your mind. He cannot attack your spirit, man. Once you're born again, the light of the gospel has shined in there. So he cannot just come in and, and just attack your spirit, man, and, and take over your spirit, man, because what happens is, uh, the only entrance he has is when we begin to listen to his lies. Listen to the lies of the enemy. You begin to feed upon negative thoughts. You begin to feast upon the things the enemy has placed before you. And before long, you're believing those lies. The devil will tell you you can't succeed. The devil will tell you you can't start that new business. The devil will tell you you're not you're never going to be good enough to do a ministry. The devil will tell you that you're not holy enough to hold any position in a church and to be a leader in the church. See, he he tries everywhere in the world to discourage you with his lies. And the the sad thing is most people fall prey to that and they listen to the lies. Now in their heart they love the Lord. In their heart they want to please God. In their heart they're born again. But you see because of the lies of the enemy attacking uh, our mind and the minds of these individuals because of that and us and and if you're listening and yielding to those lies then you're coming under the control and the dominion of the devil again and this isn't what God's wanting you see the spirit of man and the soul are closely connected one affects the other see if you're always dwelling on negative things if you're always dwelling on negative thoughts it's going to affect your spirit man your joy level will be very low. You won't have the peace of God that passes all understanding operating to its fullest extent because you're allowing these negative thoughts and these things that you're dwelling upon in your mind area. You see, you've opened the door. This, this, the, the mind.
behind is the main entrance. It's the main entrance to the house. Uh, it, it would be like uh, someone coming to your door and knocking on the door, and uh, you answer the door, and they've got two big garbage uh, uh, pails full of garbage, and it stinks. It's petrifying. It, it, it's just putrefying, and it, it's it's just not anything good about it at all. And they say, we're here to just dump this in your house. And you open the door, and you allow them in and just dump it all over your living room and all over your kitchen and all over your dining room and all over your bedrooms. All this garbage is just strolled throughout your house because you open the door to it. Now, I know that's far-fetched. I know that many of you and all of you, I would hope that all of you would never open the door to someone that has two big garbage cans full of garbage to just dump into your house, that you would be smart enough not to allow that to happen. But you see, the thing is, we wouldn't allow it in our physical home, but how about our spiritual home? How about this spiritual tabernacle? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple of the Lord. And and when we open our door of our mind, and you open that mind up to the enemy, and you can open it up many ways. Listen, you can entertain your mind with wrong things. You can entertain your mind with wrong movies, wrong books. Uh, uh, you, can, you can entertain your mind by searching astrology and the horoscopes and things of this nature. you opening your mind up to the enemy to come in and destroy you because your mind is the gateway. It's the gateway to your heart. And your mind, your soulish realm, and the spirit of man are closely connected and one affects the other. One affects the other. Now, doubt is fed through the sense knowledge. In other words, you're going to feed that doubt if you're all the, all the time connected to people that are critical that's always complaining and murmuring, uh, that always sees negative and not, nothing ever good about anything. And if you're, if you're surrounding yourself and listening to that, then what's happening is you're feeding your doubt through the sense knowledge. But faith, faith in God is fed through the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. So what you've got to decide to do today, instead of feeding your your natural man and, and this doubt that is, is trying to come in with all of this sense knowledge stuff around you, you're going to have to find time to discipline yourself and get into the Word of God. I, I mean, get into a place where you can put some CDs on and hear worship music and, and just praise the Lord and get in the presence of God. Open the Word of God and let God's Spirit enlighten your heart with revelation knowledge from the Word. If you just have to read a, a, a few verses and just let that, those few verses just, just feed your spirit man and you dwell on that, you're going to find that your faith is growing and it's going to overpower any doubt that the devil has offered you and come against you with. Now, Peter walked on the water during the storm. This is a, one of my favorite stories in the Bible where Peter was in the boat with the other disciples and the storm came up suddenly and Jesus came walking on top of the water and uh, the disciples were frightened and they said, Lord, it's a ghost. And, and Peter said, Lord, if it be you, you bid me to walk and bid me to come out on the water. And Jesus just told Peter, come on, walk, step out of the boat. You see, uh, one, one thing I've noticed that any time there's a group of people, you're going to have somebody that's going to rise up and be the leader. Someone's going to rise up in faith. Somebody's going to rise up and break away from that circle of unbelief, that circle of doubt, that circle of fear. And they're going to begin to stand on the Word, and they're going to allow God's Word to operate in their life. Now, what Peter did, he stepped out on the water, on the Word, 
from Jesus. That word was come, and he stepped out on the word. See, anytime you do anything for God, you've got to step out on the word. It, you've got to have a word from God, scriptures, a word from the Lord, and step out on that and know that God will honor his word. And as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he didn't sink. But as soon as he got his eyes on the boisterous waves, he began to sink. When he began to see the the, the waves, how big they were, and they were as big when he got out of the boat and started walking, as they were when he finally feasted his eyes upon them and saw how great they were. But when he saw them, the Bible says fear, doubt, unbelief, all of these things begin to happen in his heart. And he began to sink. But aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for God's grace and God's love? Jesus was right there. Peter looked up and said, Jesus, our Lord, save me. And Jesus, our Lord, reached down, picked him up by the hand, took him, and walked back to the boat with him on top of the water and gave him a good faith lesson on not doubting and not 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 allowing fear to operate, but just continued to let faith operate in his heart in the life. So doubt is fed through the sense knowledge. See, if you get to looking at the circumstances around you, you, you may have started a business. You may have started something that God told you to do, and it looked like it was going good for the first month or so. Then all of a sudden, things got slow, and the devil starts putting thoughts there. Well, you missed God. You didn't hear from the Lord. This wasn't God's will. This wasn't God's plan. But you see, that's when you've got to put yourself in the Word of God, put yourself in the promises of God, and begin to speak that Word. Bring God into remembrance of His Word. He will honor His Word. God's Word is light. God's Word will cause all darkness of doubt and fear and unbelief to be pushed back and God's word will always prevail and as you begin to speak it just like Peter did he was walking on top of the situation the storm was raging but he was walking on top of it you're going to be able to walk through that storm and you're going to begin to see the divine supernatural provisions of God come forth for you same way with physical healing sometimes you got to stand sometimes you just got to stand and believe that God's going to do it you start speaking the word of God you start believing what Jesus did for you he took his stripes on his back for your healing uh, the Bible said in Isaiah 53 5 with his stripes we are healed 1 Peter 2 24 said by his stripes you were healed Matthew 8 17 Jesus is talking or Matthew's talking there that he bare our sicknesses and and our infirmities, he bare them for us so that we could be healed, so that we could be whole. And what you got to do, instead of letting the pain and letting the, letting what the, the reports are saying. Now, sometimes reports, they're going to be so negative that they'll pull your spirit down, I mean, immediately. But what you've got to do is start putting the good report in you, which is the Word of God, and start speaking forth every day. Take, I always tell people, take the gospel every day. You know, we take all of these other pills every day. Let's take the gospel every day day. Take the word of God every day. Get some promises of God. Speak it forth when you get up in the morning. Speak it forth at lunchtime. Speak it forth in the evening time. Speak it before you go to bed. Let the word continually flow from your lips because that's medicine to you. That's medicine to your health. It's medicine to your flesh. Is the word of God. God's word is life. and We just need to allow that to happen in our lives. Don't let your doubt be fed through sense knowledge, but let your faith feed you and feed your spirit through the word of God so that you can rise up in faith. God is on your side. He's for you today. He's not against you. Praise God. Now, we want to get into the final stage of this teaching right now, and that's overcoming doubt. How do you overcome doubt when it attacks you? Everybody, listen. From the greatest to the least has always had an attack from the enemy to make you try to doubt God. Uh, 
every person that's gotten saved and filled with the Spirit, I, I, I dare say that every one of us have come through a, a period of our life where the devil came to you and you begin to say, was this real? Is this really real? Did I, is this something that I'm just making up or is this something that, uh, I just did because I felt good at the time? Is it, is there really something to this eternal thing and eternity and heaven and Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and, and all of these things that God can do? And he'll cause you to try to doubt that God never did anything for you. We all come through these things. We have to recognize, number one, that it's doubt. It's doubt that's hindered your answer to prayer from being manifested. It, it, God's not withholding anything from you. He said, I won't withhold any good thing from those that love me and walk uprightly before me. So today, we, we need to understand that God is is on your side and God is for you. And, and, and you know, your prayer, your prayer. See, when you pray, don't go by what you feel what you're feeling because you see prayer has got to be done in faith and if you're going by what you're feeling sometimes your prayers you'll, you'll stop right in the middle of it and just get up and quit because you can't go by your feelings there, there's many times some of the greatest miracles that I've experienced in our ministry as we've prayed for people I didn't sense any supernatural anointing on me whatsoever there was nothing physically happening I didn't feel fire coming out of me I didn't feel no tingling in my hands but as we prayed the prayer of faith we have I've seen many miracles and healings take place. Why? Because the Word of God said, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. It didn't say to lay hands on the sick when you feel good. It said, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And as we do these things by faith, then we're going to begin to see the results of what we're doing by faith. But we need to recognize that it's doubt that's hindered your answer to prayer from being manifested. It's doubt. It's doubt. Don't, don't blame God for your problems. Don't blame anyone else for your problems. Let's blame the culprit that is behind all the problems. His name is Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub. He is the fallen one, and he is the one that's causing you to doubt. It, it, it's, it, it's him causing these thoughts to be placed there to hinder your prayer from being manifested. Don't blame the Lord. God wants to answer your prayer. God desires to answer your prayer. God will answer your prayer as we begin to understand he is a faithful God and that he has already made provisions for us and already taken care of the enemy. But you see, the enemy, even though he knows he's defeated, he's still shouting out those lies because if he can keep you doubting, he'll keep you hindered from moving forward and progressing and doing what God's called you to do. We need to accept, accept Christ's atonement as sufficiency for all of our sins, even doubt. Now, we, we, we cannot be afraid to admit that doubt is a sin. And if you have been doubting, we need to acknowledge that. It's just like when you came to Jesus, you had to acknowledge that you were a sinner. You had to acknowledge that you were lost. You had to acknowledge that you needed Christ. You had to acknowledge that you needed what he did for you because what else you had was destroying you and when you acknowledge that and you confessed it with your mouth and believed in your heart God saved you God saved you and delivered you so we have to we have to understand that doubt is a sin somebody said well can believers sin after they're saved absolutely that's what John said if you do sin if you do sin he's talking to the believers if you do sin then Jesus Christ is the propitiation for your sins and he's just to forgive you of all your sins but we have to understand that if we do sin, we need to say, okay, Father, I have sinned. I have failed. I have sinned. This doubt is a sin, and I'm going to confess it as sin. I, I, want to, I want to see total deliverance in my life from doubt. Praise God. Now, the Bible said in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
You cannot please God in your everyday walk with the Lord unless you walk in faith. You, you have to get up in the morning and you have to understand that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have to understand that you're a child of God. You have to understand what the, the, the writer in Corinthians said. It said that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. In other words, he became what he was not, Jesus did, so that we could become what we were not. Jesus was not a sinner. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was man, 100% man while he was on the earth because he had to legally win us back and legally redeem us from the powers of of darkness. And that's why the death, the burial, and the resurrection was necessary. And the suffering that he did was necessary in order for us to be free, in order for us to be redeemed. It was necessary for him to go through all of this suffering for us to have what we have today. So we have to understand without faith it's impossible to please God. We have to understand, number one, that Jesus did this for us. And when he did this for us and we accepted him, now then we are the righteousness of God. We have become what we were not. There's no, the Bible said there's none holy, none, no, no, not one. In other words, there's none righteous, none holy. Uh, there's no, no way you can be holy enough or righteous enough in your own self. We have to accept what Jesus did. He became what he was not. He became what we were in order that we could become what he was. And that is righteous. Now, righteousness means you've got the ability to stand in the presence of God as though you never sinned. And, it, and once you understand who you are, and you begin to understand your position in the Lord and understand that you are righteous. We, we've got the right. See, Jesus taught us what to do. When Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus, he stood boldly and he lifted his eyes to the Lord, his Father, and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always when I pray. I thank you that you hear me always when I pray. Then he spoke to Lazarus to come forth out of the grave, and he did. Now, we have the privilege in our prayer life. See, we have to understand that we're the righteousness of God. And because we are the righteousness of God, we have the privilege and the right to approach our Father. And righteousness gives you the ability to approach God and let you come into the presence of God as though you never sinned. As though you never sinned. Because remember, Jesus became sin so that in order you could become the righteousness of God. And when you stand before the Lord, you're the righteousness of God. God looks at you through the blood of Jesus. God looks at you through what he did for you. And when he sees that blood, he doesn't see sin. He doesn't see all of these negative things in your life. All he sees is the new creature that's been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. And once we begin to understand who we are, we can begin to praise God and begin to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe what what I'm saying. I have faith. See, you can't please God until you know that you're the righteousness of God. And you can't have the joy of the Lord until you understand that you're the righteousness of God. You will not have the peace of God until you understand you're the righteousness of God. So without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now, over in 1 Peter 5, 7, he said, Cast all of your cares, all of your cares. I, I, I always put in parentheses by that. Cast all your doubts on the Lord. And he will remove them. What are cares? Cares are things that are weighting you down, burdening you down, uh, bringing you to a low point in your life, trying to discourage you, trying to make you under, make you feel like you're not worthy enough to have the things of God, and makes you doubt. Makes you doubt. There's that word diacrino, doubt. Makes you be divided between two opinions. I mean, you know, the Lord says He'll do this, but then the devil said, No, this is this. He's not going to do that for you because you're not good enough. You're not holy enough. But But what the Lord is wanting us to do is to see that he is. So cast all your cares and your doubts on the Lord, and he will remove them. 
He will remove them. I want you to say that out loud with me. He will remove them. God will remove the doubts from you. And you're going to be strong in the Lord from this day forth. So, recognize that it's doubt that's hindered your prayer from being manifested. Accept Jesus' atonement as sufficiency for all your sins. Even doubt and begin to believe that Jesus has covered that also. And then stop doubt at the door of the mind. We're talking about overcoming doubt now. Stop doubt at the door of the mind. If you entertain doubt for a minute, it can require an hour to get rid of it. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. And so we, we've got to understand, if you start entertaining doubt for just a minute, it can take you a whole hour to just get rid of it. Now, it really doesn't take that long. I mean, if you've got the faith, but many times because we allow doubt to get in our spirit, it starts hindering our um, willingness to pray, our willingness to uh, believe God and to, to get sincere before the Lord. But So let's get rid of it. Let's stop it at the door. Don't even let it come in to our House. Don't even let doubt enter into the house. Don't open the door to it. Second uh, Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Cast down the imaginations. See, when doubt tries to come into your mind, just cast it down immediately, immediately, immediately just pull it down. Pull down that stronghold immediately and don't let it even take root. And because it, what it's doing, it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into cap, and, and you've got to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, one of the parts of redemption that people have not understood is the crown of thorns that was placed on Jesus' head. And uh, uh, the crown, you know, Jesus, he covered every area of your life and every area of your redemption. The stripes on his back for your healing, physical healings. Uh, he, he, he took the chastisement for our peace. And the crown of thorns was not just gently placed on his head. They were jammed and rammed down on top of his head. The thorns were very long thorns. They weren't just little prickly thorns. They were long thorns that they got off of this thorn bush tree. And they put that thorn, and those thorns were, were driven down into his brain. Now, I, I, I'm, this sounds gory, and this, but listen, salvation and the crucifixion was gory. It was very bloody. It was through his blood that we're redeemed. And we've got to understand that Jesus took care of every aspect, every area of your life, and part of that is your mind. And that those thorns were placed and crammed down on his head so that your mind could be free. Your mind can be free. And we have the right today. We have the right today to say, Devil, this is my mind. You have no right over my mind. My mind now belongs to God. Jesus is Lord over my mind, and I'm not going to let any thought that you place there dwell there and pull me down. I'm casting it down right now in Jesus' name. Now, when you're tempted to doubt, begin to praise God and sing songs of joy and victory. <laughs> I, I know some of this is repetitious in what we're saying and teaching, but, you know, we need to be reminded all the time. See, when you're tempted to doubt, when the devil comes in with those thoughts and tries to cram, you know, put them in your thought pattern, then what you need to do is start beginning to praise God and sing songs of joy and victory. I mean, just start glorifying the Lord. Somebody say, well, I, I don't know a song. Well, just make up a song. Start praising God and just let the words flow from your spirit and from your heart and just begin to sing a song unto the Lord and, and begin to worship God and just praise Him. And don't let 
Don't let the doubts enter. See, praise is going to drive out the presence of the enemy. The praise will always drive out the presence of the He can't stand the praises of God. He can't stand the, when a saint of God begins to worship the Lord and praise the Lord. The devil can't stand it. He has to flee. Now, the Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Therefore by him, talk about by the Lord, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise unto God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name continually. All the time, just praising the Lord, glorifying the Lord. You know, I'll wake up in the morning and I start praising God. I'll just praise God during the day. I'll get in my car and go in where I have to go. I'll just start praising the Lord. If I go on a long trip, I like to put worship music on and just praise the Lord on my trip and just enter into a spirit of praise, be in an attitude of praise continually all the time. I'll go in the grocery store. I'll start praising God. I may not do it, do it so loud that I disturb everybody, but I'm praising the Lord and just glorifying the Lord. And this is what the Lord said. Let us continually offer the sacrifice unto God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, giving thanks to the name of the Lord. Never confess doubt or unbelief. Don't start saying any... Listen, what you say out of your mouth is important. We're ensnared, and we're snared by the words of our mouth. Uh, over in Matthew, he said, by your words, you're justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. It's important that we watch what comes out of our mouth, because what comes out of our mouth is going to affect our lives. So never confess doubt. Never confess unbelief. Don't, don't talk negative about your situation. If you're sick, just tell people, look, I am healed in the name of Jesus. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. By his stripes, I was healed. And you're not you're not lying. You're not sitting there. You're speaking the truth of God. And that truth of God is going to work on your behalf. If you've got a financial problem, start saying, thank you, Lord. And, and, and someone says, well, how's it going? Well, everything's going great. My God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, don't give an opportunity to confess any doubt or unbelief in the situation. But confess God's word. Start speaking the word. See, confessing doubt brings depression, and it brings defeat in your life. So we need to adopt the vocabulary of faith. Just adopt that vocabulary of faith and, and, and just begin to speak the Word of God. Just retrain yourself in, in, in the vocabulary. You see, when you come out of the kingdom of the devil, uh, you, you talk the devil's language. But now we're in a new kingdom, and so we're going to have to learn the kingdom of God uh, language and begin to speak forth this new language in the kingdom, which is a faith language. It's what Jesus was teaching them in the very first scripture that we spoke. He said, have the God kind of faith. And whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So this, this it's a new vocabulary. It's a, it's a new walk. It's a new, a new language that we're beginning to learn. So we have to adopt the vocabulary of faith. How are you going to do that? Get into the Word. Find out what God's Word says. And just begin to speak forth those positive things. Scriptures concerning your situations are in the Word of God. And just begin to speak forth what God says. Refuse to listen to the doubts of other people. Listen, people are used of the devil just like people are used of God. <laughs> there are some people that are used of the devil. Um, refuse to listen to the doubts of other people. Don't hang around people that's going to pull you down and tell you that you can't do something, that it's not going to happen, that you look bad. It doesn't look like it's going to happen like God said. Just refuse to hang around them. Refuse to listen to the doubts and do not argue with a doubter. Just don't argue with them. I, I mean, you know, you, you can't argue with someone that doesn't believe, just just don't argue with them. Just walk off and just start praising God and thanking God that you, the Word of God is working and prevailing in your life and you're not going to listen to doubt. See, the Bible said iron sharpens iron. 
So does a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. That's found in Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron. In other words, if you're around people that are doubtful and unbelieving, it's going to do one of two things. Either you're going to rub off on them or they're going to rub off on you. And so, you know... I know God's going to send you to minister to people, but don't hang around and entertain yourself with people that never walk in faith and never talk faith, never talk positive things of what God's done. Just refuse to be in that situation. And do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Listen, don't listen to somebody that has never walked in faith and never seen a miracle and never seen God do anything great. Don't walk in that counsel. The Bible said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in this law does he meditate day and night. So that's Psalms 1 verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know you're blessed today if you just walk in the counsel of godly people and most of all in the counsel of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your guide. He will direct you. He will lead you and he will not lead you astray. He'll lead you into the paths of victory every day because Jesus is Lord, and that's what he wants to proclaim to you. Jesus is Lord. I, I know today that this word, overcoming doubt, has ministered to you. And I want you that's here with me now, and those of you that's listening by way of CD or other means, I want you to just join hands with the person next to you. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe God to set you free from any doubt, any fear, any unbelief that's in your life and heart right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we join together. We agree together according to your word. You said, if any two shall agree on earth as touching anything it shall be done of the Father which is in heaven. Father we're agreeing right now with every individual that's here under the sound of our voice. Lord we thank you right now that the bondage of doubt and the bondage of fear and the bondage of unbelief is broken in their life in the name of Jesus. And doubt, we call you what you are. You're a spirit from hell. And we're going to come against you in the name of Jesus. And we bind you and render you powerless now. Father, we thank you that we're not going to walk in doubt. We're going to walk in faith. And we're going to speak forth words of faith and see victory in our lives. We thank you for prosperity. We thank you for healing. We thank you for salvation and deliverances in the families of every person represented here right now. Father, we thank you that your word is prevailing and total victory is theirs. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, and we give you glory for it. Amen.